0: I see some guests here, we're glad that you're here and thankful that you've come to worship with us tonight. Tonight we'll be talking about Mary Magdalene, and I want to start in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Not a lot of scriptures about Mary Magdalene, but when we hear the name Mary Magdalene, it has a certain ring to it, especially when it comes to fiction writers, conspiracy theorists, right, theorists, Uh, sorry, Hollywood, I was trying to have a big word for y'all, but i would messed it up, but Hollywood and many more. These groups have all managed to put some type of spin on who this woman was. One that takes a huge stretch is the movie The Da Vinci Code or the book The Da Vinci Code who portrays Mary as the secret wife of Jesus who mothered a descendant who immigrated to France. I mean, just some wild stuff about Mary Magdalene. But as we look to God's Word and, you know, the unchangeable source of truth... We'll find out just who this lady called Magdalene really was. Four things that I'd like for us to consider tonight. And and, and the first thing is I want to talk about where she was from. Mary Magdalene lived in a village, actually a tiny uh, fishing village called Magdala. And you can see it up there. It's close to Capernaum. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 39, we see that this was an area actually used in the scripture. But I want us to think about this lady. I want us to think about the things that happened in her life, the things that went on as she journeyed through life, and the things that happened to her as she came in contact with Jesus. The first thing was she had a problem. Mary Magdalene had a dark past. If you will, look at me uh, in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now it came to pass afterward that they went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits, In infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, uh, Jonah, Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Now there isn't anything in the Bible that indicates that her conduct was ever distasteful or nasty in any way but what we do know is that Mary had been delivered from demonic bondage seven demons to be exact this is the only detail that we know other than where she's from and I want us to think about these symptoms I want us to think about the symptoms of being possessed by a demon Or being possessed by demons. In some cases, like in Matthew chapter 8 verses 28 through 34, people were insane. I'm not going to read the story, but you remember there were two demon-possessed men. And the people were scared of them. And then when they came and and came in contact with Jesus, they kind of negotiated a situation. And they said, how about we go into these swine? And Jesus tells them to go and they go into these swine and run off into the sea. And later on, as the word spreads what happens to the people in that region, they become scared, right? And they tell Jesus, "Hey, just get out of here. We don't know what's up with you. we need you to get out of here but so some cases of people being possessed by demons, they were insane, but some, like Matthew chapter twelve verse twenty two were blind. Some, like in Mark chapter 9 verse 25, were deaf. Some were mute, like in Matthew chapter 9 verse 32 and 33. Some had seizures, like in Mark chapter 1 verse 26. And some just had general infirmities, things that were wrong with them, uh, such as the case in Luke chapter 13, verses 11 through 13, where a woman could not raise herself up, and Jesus says, raise up. Demon possession possession was real. It was personal. It was something that hurt people. You know, these demons, they would actually speak through the lips of those people who were tormented. It was an affliction, and they were presented as victims, because they were. Could you imagine yourself being in those types of situations? And that's exactly who Mary Magdalene was. She was tormented by seven demons. There was nothing that man could do for her, she was a prisoner in her own body. Could you imagine what came with that? Depression, anxiety, unhappiness, loneliness, shame, fear. Do those things sound familiar, brethren? We don't have to be uh, have a demon inside of us to understand what being depressed or being anxious or being unhappy or being lonely feels like but not to mention she may have been blind she may have been mute she may have been deaf the scripture doesn't go into the details of her demon possession but what probably but, but was probably known to the world around her as a unrecoverable So, bless her heart, that's just how she is. Let's just stay away from her. Uh, There's really no hope for her. What about our problem, brethren? What about when we were not Christians? What about when we stood in a place that was like this? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That problem still continues today even as Christians, doesn't it? We can still find ourselves falling into these traps of doing things that are contrary to God's Word. And as we talked about this morning, the thing that helps us stay away from that is putting God's Word in our heart. So she had this problem. She had these demons in her, seven to be exact, but she was delivered. Think about her deliverance. It's never told exactly how she was delivered. But we know that Christ had set her free. And free indeed she was. It reminds me of when we as Christians were set free. You remember Romans chapter 6 verse 22. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. Now, brethren, I want you to think about this. Mary owed everything to the Lord, and she was grateful. How do we know that she was grateful? Look at what the text tells us. Let's read it one more time. It came to pass afterward that... Uh, he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And look who is with Jesus. The 12 were with him and certain women. And one of those women was Mary Magdalene, walking with Jesus, doing the things that Jesus was doing, going to the places that Jesus was going. She was with the Messiah. At the end of verse uh, verse 3 in chapter 8 it says that and many others who provided for him from their substance. Mary wanted to show her appreciation. How did she do it? We don't know the specifics. But what we do know is that she was with the group and she was willing to help in any way that she could. And that is how we should be, isn't it? When we think about in the New Testament and we think about the concept of giving, there shouldn't be a time where the elders or somebody has to come up here and present a lesson to get on to us about how we give, should they? No, because we understand as Christians, as children of God, that we aren't given a specific amount to give, but we do it as we've prospered. And we do it with a cheerful heart. We do it because we're excited to give, right? Because I know that when I give my money, when I put that in the plate, I know that it's going to go for the furtherance of the gospel. I know that people's lives will be changed with the money that I put in. And I'm a part of it. I become a part of that work, and I become a part of knowing that the things that I'm doing, the things that I work for out in uh, the world are going for a benefit not only for, to take care of my family, but most importantly, to take care of the kingdom. Now, here's the challenge. Brethren, how are you giving? Are you giving thinking about other people, or are you giving because you know what you can do and how you can do it? And you do it happily. You do it cheerfully. You do it because you want to be pleasing to God. How grateful are we? Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. And I want to look at verses 36 through 50. I want to read a story in talking about somebody who is grateful, kind of getting back to this concept of Mary. Verse 36 says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, isn't it amazing? (laughs) Here he was thinking it, right? And what does Jesus do? He answers him. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teachers say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Think about what's happening in the story. Think about this woman, the tears flowing down her face, and she knows who Jesus is. Brethren, put yourself in the position of this lady. Oh, you can. We're sinners. We do things that are contrary to God's word, and it's only by his grace. It's only by his mercy which is spelled J-E-S-U-S, by the way, that we can be saved. How important is that to our lives? How much does it matter to us? Is it a big deal or has we, have we just become numb to it? Is it just another thing that we talk about just kind of nonchalantly and just going about our business? Here was a woman who knew the things that she had done. She had knew the things that she'd been a part of. And what does she do? She sits down and with her tears, she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her. I could only imagine how that felt. I have no idea what that would even be like. But here she was, freed from that and therefore clinging to the one who saved her. What an amazing thought. Look what company Mary Magdalene is in. She's hanging with the apostles. She's hanging with these other people who are wanting to follow Jesus. Most rabbis in that culture wouldn't even have a woman following them. But not Jesus. He encouraged it, didn't he? Whosoever wants to follow me can do it. And that's the kind of person I want to follow. How about you? That's the one I want to follow. How about you? You remember uh, Brother Ed talking about the parable about uh, the kingdom and the net going out into the sea. You remember the net goes out and what does it pull in? Fish of all kind. That's the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of kingdom I want to be a part of where everybody can be a part of it. So then look at this and think about her dedication. She had a problem. She had seven demons, but she was delivered. She was delivered from that. And because of that, watch the dedication. Matthew, Mark, and John all record that Mary Magdalene was present at the crucifixion. Where were all the other apostles? (laughs) Where were them boys at? You know, the ones that, I'd never deny you, Jesus. It doesn't matter if it comes down to it. I'll be there. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to run away. Where were they at? Here was Mary Magdalene at the cross. And I want you to think about that. Turn with me to John chapter 19. Just get into this story for just a minute. Put yourself uh, in this uh, thought of, of watching this take place. John chapter 19. I want to start in verse 20. Then many of the Jews read this title which said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This is on the cross. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers When they had crucified Jesus, now this is taking place right where she's at. They took his garments and made four parts (laughs) to each soldier a part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. And look, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple who loved him standing by, he said on the cross now, he says to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciples the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her took her to his home, to his own home. After this Jesus knowing that all things were accomplished That the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Could you imagine hearing that? Put yourself there for just a minute. I know we got some stuff we got to do in just a few minutes, but put yourself there for just a second. Our Lord and Savior is on the cross. He says, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. And they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, put it into his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the ghost. She was close enough to hear that. Does that move you? Could you imagine the thoughts that were going on? A lot of imagining going on right now, so just imagine with me. The thoughts that were going through her head. It must have been a great disaster. Here was the guy who saved her from these demons. Here was the guy who had been doing all of these great things. Here was the guy who they just knew was the Messiah. Could this be the one? This is the one. And then he's torn, and then he's beat, and then he's put on a cross. And then he says, it is finished. And bows his head and dies. The crowds as Jesus was led to the cross. The bloodthirsty fanatics who were screaming for the death of our Lord. But despite all of those things, despite all of those situations, You remember what Peter did? She never shrunk away. She was loyal to him. Turn with me again to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Verse 57. Luke chapter 9. Verse 57, now it happened, as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. How you think that guy felt? Think he wanted to follow him after that? Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me, go, me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You think Mary Magdalene was looking back? She was all in it with Jesus. You remember she's the one who's watching to see where he's going to be buried at. She was wondering about this Jesus that she loved so much. She was dedicated to him. He had helped her in a way that nobody else could. Brethren, Jesus has helped you in a way that nobody will ever be able to. Does that move you? Or does it even matter? (laughs) Is it even that big of a deal? Because if it is a big deal, then you won't go into your Christianity half-hearted. You won't go into your Christianity looking back. You'll put your hands to the plow, and you'll plow. You know, I'm just now getting, I mean, I'm proud of myself, all right, about this. Farmers. I don't know nothing about it. I ain't going to admit I do. But I can get on the tractor, and I can get a bush hog on there, and I can drive a straight line. Now, Blue's giving me some training, but I'm okay. I can get it down and get it where it needs to be, and I can mow. Now, here's what I have figured out. If I'm looking back and trying to drive, when I look forward, I'm way over here. And then I have to go back and make the line straight and then tell my dad, see, look, I do a great job. Look how straight the lines are. How are we when it comes to our spiritual lives? You want to know what drove Mary Magdalene? You want to know what changed the way that she lived? Because she realized what she had received. Hey, man, I've been free <laughs> I'm embarrassed about things that I've done. And I know you probably are too, but you know what? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus. His blood is powerful and it cleanses and it washes and it makes it white as snow. Whenever you ask. What about our loyalty to the king. The last thing that I'd like for us to consider this evening is her excitement. Oh, the emotions of those earlier followers as they were trying to come to grips with Jesus dying. The things that he said, the things that he taught, and here he was dead. It's like, what in the world is happening? Turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Verse 1 says, while you're turning, I want to look at verses 11, but I want to get us into it. Verse 1 says, now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran back to Simon Peter and to the other disciple who Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Oh, the discouragement in their face. Oh, the discouragement in their minds. But what about Mary? Verse 11 says But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Hey, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And she wept and she stood down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She's talking to some angels. You want to talk about some focus on something she's focused on jesus she can't figure it out these angels are talking to her and she's saying i don't know where they put him i don't know where they put my lord at now when she had said this she turned around and saw jesus standing there and did not know that it was jesus Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary, it's me. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, teacher, and look at what Jesus says do not cling to me, <laughs> for I have not yet ascended to my Father. The Greek word cling right there, it means to fasten to oneself. To adhere, to stick to. (laughs) She turned around and she saw Jesus, and what did she do? She clinged to him. What about you, brethren? Do you cling to the Lord or do you just stay at that distance where you don't have to do too much? Right? Oh, I'm a Christian. But I'm going to do as little as I can, right? You remember how Thomas was, right? I'm not going to believe unless I see. She glued herself to him because of how happy she was to see him. Think about this, and it's sad, but it's true. Sometimes in the age that we live in, we have to be forced or we have to be pushed to want to draw near to the Lord. How pitiful is that? How disrespectful is that? To know what the Lord did for us and for us to half heartedly go through our Christian walk. Matt, I've heard these lessons a million times. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm with you on that, brother and sister. I'm with you. But you know what? Heaven is real, and Jesus really died for you. And he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you don't, what a scary thought. What we see from Mary and should be the case for all of us is we should not be wanting to let go of the Lord. I want you to think about this psalm, Psalm 73, 28. The Bible says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Brethren, I love you all so much. Don't be half-hearted in your Christianity. I want you to pray for me this week that I won't be half-hearted in my Christianity. That I'll walk with excitement. That I'll walk with dedication to know that I've been redeemed from a problem. Please pray for me. Spend just a little bit of your day praying for me. I appreciate it. Because I'm going to pray for you. I am going to pray for you. Think about this one as we leave. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, That is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Jesus did a whole lot for us. Do we really appreciate it? Because if we do, here's what will automatically happen in our lives. We will draw near with a true heart. We will draw near with full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water now we're about to sing how deep the father's love is for our invitation song and please do something for me don't, don't don't check out yet just sing these words think about these words as we sing them God is glorified when he redeems those who are lost those who are hurting, those who are dying spiritually. And brethren, he uses them, he uses us for the greatest purpose to go and tell others about the hope we have within us. Man, what an honor. He thinks that much of me. Oh, sorry, Matt Miller. Done all kinds of terrible, embarrassing things. Yeah, he sure does. To God be the glory, Matt. Shine your light, brother. Shine your light. Mary Magdalene stands out as a shining example of that. She was rescued from Christ from the hopeless bondage of seven demons. And she chose to dedicate her life in showing him the appreciation that he deserves. She had a deep love for Jesus. How deep is our love for the Lord? How excited are we to go out this week and tell others about what he's done for us? And just how much he loves us. If you're here today and you need prayers, we're here for you. We'll pray with you, we'll hug you, we'll do whatever we need to do. And please, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, don't be embarrassed about this. There's an opportunity that's about to be available to you for you to come down here and be added to the kingdom of God. They'll be rejoicing in heaven on that decision. It's serious business. It's serious stuff, but what a great thing it is to be a part of the family of God. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter told him on the day of Pentecost to repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you need to be added to the family of God, please listen to this song and sing it as the other brethren sing as we stand right now. How will